Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Conversations on Dance is proud to have Yumiko as a continued partner in 2021. Yumiko is a company inspired by beauty and standards. They take great pride in their impact as a socially and environmentally conscious brand. In this new year, Yumiko is more committed than ever to promoting transparency and sustainability in their business practices, while staying devoted to eco-friendly production practices that will contribute to the longevity of a healthy globe. Yumiko is passionately focused on connecting and lifting our dance community to promote a more loving and equal world through the power of togetherness. The New York City flagship store is open to customers with limited hours, or you can shop online at yumiko.com. Be sure to follow along on Instagram at Yumiko to stay updated on new releases, live events, store updates, and all things 2021. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week, we are joined by celebrity ballet coach and former New York City ballet dancer, Kurt Froman. Kurt danced senior core ballet and soloist parts at the New York City Ballet for over seven years before venturing off to Broadway, where he was cast in the leading role of James in the Twyla Tharp Billy Joel show, Moving Out. He amassed numerous Broadway credits before being presented with the opportunity to be associate choreographer for the film Black Swan, where he was responsible for training and coaching Natalie Portman, Mila Kunis, and overseeing the corps de ballet. Since then, he has created a niche for himself as a celebrity ballet coach working on various projects. As a self-proclaimed bunhead, Kurt is a must-follow on Instagram, where he shares incredible and rare videos of New York City ballet dancers and repertoire from his personal collection. Follow him now at Kurt Froman, or click the link in the description of this episode. Join us for this wonderful chat with Kurt as we go through his expansive and varied career, including wonderful stories of working with celebrities, including Natalie Portman and Jennifer Lawrence. Hey, 
Kurt, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to talk to you about your own career and um, the work you've done, of course, as a ballet dancer, but on Broadway and in film and television, there's a lot to cover. So um, let's just go ahead and get started and um, start at the beginning as we always do, which is just, um, how did you first sort of fall in love with dance? Well, uh, I was actually lucky enough to be born into a family that had kind of deep deep roots in dance. Uh, my grandmother was actually one of the original Rockettes oh uh, back in St. Louis when they were known as the Missouri Rockets uh, before think? they were like, you know, t- tall, you know, leggy. She was, I think, maybe five foot two. <laughs> and but she did like toe tap and all kind of the vaudevillian things. Uh-huh. And uh, and then my mom, who was her only child, uh you know, was really uh, in love with musical theater. Mm-hmm. And that's actually how she met my dad was doing summer stock at Uni Opera. My dad was a singer uh, and they had this kind of romance that was written about in the papers, you know, of this, you know, really handsome singer meeting this, this really cute chorus girl and, <laughs> uh, you know, really soon after getting married, they started having a big family. Mm -hmm. Uh, my sister was the, the oldest, she's the, the only, uh, the only female of my siblings and, uh, all the rest were, were five boys, uh, with Kyle and I being the, the end, my twin brother and I, Uh uh, and my sister from the time she was 16 years old, uh, was running her own dance studio. First, it started in the garage, you know, working with, uh, her, her friends in high school. And then really soon after high school and into college, she started, uh, what was called then the Froman dance studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still is kind of a booming business in Texas. And so I think had I not been, uh, you know, introduced at a really young age of like seeing, you know, studio life and all these different kinds of uh, styles. I don't know that Kyle and I would have necessarily fallen into it, you know, being the the 70s and 80s in Texas. It wasn't like it is now where, you know, you turn on the TV and there's so you think you can dance and world of dance. And now it's kind of amazing it's back into pop culture Mm -hmm. uh but when kyle and i uh were first introduced into it like we we just love tap and jazz ballet Mm -hmm. we weren't uh excited by at all and and actually my dad wasn't even gonna let us dance you know he he really wanted all of his sons to be um you know engineers like he was he didn't necessarily want a career in the arts Mm -hmm. uh but it was only when my parents separated and um had this kind of bitter custody battle over kyle and i that my mom just basically threw us into dance class despite him you know like (laughs) you're leaving i'm gonna let my sons dance uh but you know it was something that we were immediately passionate about you know we would run in the studio uh we couldn't wait to join in and we were always with older older girls you know and and kyle and i basically went up to their hip you know Mm -hmm. but and in the beginning you know my sister and my mom i don't think they knew how long the bug was gonna last Uh, so you know we started with tap 
And so we just used to take in our penny loafers, you know, because it was, it had kind of a, a hard sole and, uh. but we would kick them off so it would hit the mirror. And uh, <laughs> we, we got a big kick out of that. I don't know that my sister was necessarily <laughs> happy about it, but uh, it was only, you know, after a few years, uh, my sister saw, you know, we were talented, we were hardworking. And uh, so she kind of pushed us to, to start taking ballet class because she said, you know, it's what builds technique. So um, we didn't, we weren't really excited by it. You know, we hadn't really seen very much aside from, you know, the Nutcracker was on PBS every year. Mm -hmm. uh, and cable television was starting to become much more popular then. And there was this movie called Six Weeks with Dudley Moore and Mary Tyler Moore in it. Uh, and uh, the young girl, Catherine Healy, who is this phenomenal dancer. Uh, she plays this, you know, 12 year old girl who's dying of leukemia and, and her dying wish is to star in the Nutcracker. So it was this real tearjerker. And I think Kyle and I were like, wow, what is this? You know, just seeing... Uh -huh. Um, girls dance on point and the, and the whole magic of everything, the backstage hustle and everything. And, uh, so we, we begged our mom after seeing that movie to, to take us to go see the Nutcracker. And my mom said, well, you guys dance. Why don't you just audition for it? And mm -hmm. we were 11 years old at that point. And so we started taking, uh, ballet class on the outside with, uh, this, uh, teacher, Bill Martin Viscount, who, he, I mean, he was like straight out of a David Lynch movie. He was, <laughs> he was the, the oddest person, but a really famous dancer in his day. You know, he uh -huh. danced with uh, Royal Danish Ballet and National Ballet of Canada, or Royal Winnipeg Ballet, I mm -hmm. think he also was in. And uh, and when we started taking with him, we started seeing like really good girls dance on point. We started partnering, you know, so mm -hmm. it opened up our eyes to like, more of what ballet was about. Mm -hmm. And uh, after dancing with him for a few years, we ended up changing studios to uh, the Fort Worth Ballet, which we were so lucky to really have that in Fort Worth at, the, at that time because mm -hmm. it was a really uh, uh, incredible company steeped in the balancing style. Mm -hmm. It was Paul Mejia, who is Suzanne Farrell's husband and Roman Mejia's uh, father and um it was pretty hardcore you know yeah. i mean we would be doing a hundred tondus each direction and it was the first time i had ever seen any of the balancing rep mm -hmm. and uh it it just it made me see the possibilities of ballet it wasn't just story driven it was you know seeing the neoclassic style with mm -hmm. seeing rubies for the first time or divertimental 15 and agon mm -hmm. and Fortis, like all of these ballets, I, I was just amazed by it. The syncopation and the, uh, the edginess of it and how much the, the core dancers dance often more than the principals right. did. And they weren't just relegated to the side. They were an integral part to it. And um, it showed me how much I had to learn right. and how much ballet had to offer and uh, I didn't really know anything about balancing other than uh, that's when Gelsey Kirkland's book came out. So I knew like kind of the controversy in the uh -huh. ballet world about right. Mr. B. And uh, 
but I didn't really have any notion of it. I was 13 years old. So when we started uh, working with Paul, uh, he was he was tough. Mm-hmm. But I carry to this day, I, I hear myself repeating so many things that he taught me as a, you know, really, you know, timid 13 year old um, that that were really uh, incredible principles about musicality and about, you know, bending and, you know, all of these things about Portobra and Apollon. I hear myself teach and it's, it's, uh, he was a fantastic teacher. I mean, he was, he was terrifying to me and (laughs) certainly, you know, dancers in the company were also scary because, you know, a few of them trained under Maria Tall Chief. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but they, they were great teachers in that they were passing the torch. Yeah. Um, And then from 15 years old, we knew of, New York City Ballet, we knew of SAB, so we started, uh, we auditioned for SAB as a 15-year-old uh, on our birthday, and we wow. kept getting the the summer course that year, and uh, I remember Gary L. Whittle was our first, uh, the person who auditioned us, mm-hmm. and then we knew that there was interest, you know, after our first summer course, Stanley Williams really took a shine to us, and uh, and I just loved it, you know, seeing other boys my age, too, who danced. It, it really gave us a perspective of how we how we fit in nationally, like mm-hmm. if we were ahead or if we were behind in certain things. And um, but, you know, I wasn't I was in one way I was really kind of kind of scared about the enormity, but also I was confident in that I knew that I was a hard worker right. and I knew how much I had improved in those two years working with Paul that I felt, uh, I felt with Stanley's approval of the way we worked. And, you know, from my first class, he would pull me to the front to demonstrate things. It, it really, uh, it made me feel really excited about a potential career in New York. So, well, what point was it that you kind of decided that this was what you wanted to do professionally? Was that when you had this big revelation under Paul? Like yeah, 13? it was, it was, uh, I think Kyle and I were both, uh, smart, uh, scholastically. We were mm-hmm. from the time we were in middle school and into high school, we were going to magnet schools for science and engineering. So, in middle school, we had been building up high school credits. In high school, we were taking AP classes. And uh, I always had the idea in my head that I wanted to be a doctor. And because I loved science so much. And mm-hmm. but then when I think we were like 15 or 16, it it started dawning on me, like, what am I? Am I expected to just like stop dancing to go to college? And I knew I didn't I wouldn't be able to do both. And I knew if I was going to be a dancer, it was going to have to be then, you know, mm-hmm. it's not something that you can really put off until your twenties to right. try to go for a professional career. Is that something that you and Kyle talked about together? Like this is what we're going to do or did it kind of no, just it wasn't really? Yeah. It was just kind of, we, we were both excited by it. And we both kind of followed the current a little bit of where life was taking us. And 
you know, also, um, for his storybook, as I, you know, paint our childhoods out to be, it was really pretty chaotic in terms of like a really bad divorce, uh, a lot of chaos at home. And I knew, uh, the minute I was in a ballet studio, everything was quiet. Everything mm -hmm. was predictable. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't expected to control my parents' bad behavior. I was only responsible for myself and making my body move. And, you know, uh, class is very predictable in that you walk into class, you start with plies, you move on to tendus. Uh, so I think that structure was something that uh, it, it just quieted all the static that was happening in our lives. And it felt like it, it was like a religion, you know, mm -hmm. it was like a spiritual experience every time I was in class. So it, I couldn't imagine, you know, leaving that behind because mm -hmm. it had given me so much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I love that you just said that. It, that gave me chills. I just am thinking about so many times, like personally, I remember a time where I was taking your class specifically mm -hmm. and there was about feeling like my life was very chaotic. And I came into your class on a Monday morning and like just the ritual of doing plies with a pianist and, you know, having that it, it, I think maybe that is something that dancers respond to a lot is that it is a, you are always in control in one way, you know, it is a way of, finding that sort of autonomy that maybe the outside right. world right. doesn't provide always. And I appreciate that, that you said that. I, I, I take that uh, as, a, as a big compliment that mm. it, I created or helped create an environment, you know, where it is that way. And I think also that's why I love Stanley's class so much is it was so quiet. You know, you could hear a pin drop in uh, he was so soft-spoken in a way that you just had to lean in to mm -hmm. make out any kind of cryptic instruction that he was giving. And the music, along with his combinations, were... Um, it was so unjarring. It was so grounding. It was so uh, distilling pure technique in your body and being so present in what you were doing that you weren't anticipating the music. You weren't, uh, you weren't trying to chase the music. You were kind of at one with the music. Mm -hmm. So yeah. talking about Stanley, is there one thing that you took from his class, um, that you always, that you found very helpful as a dancer and then something you took from his class as a teacher that you found to be really helpful and continue with? Um, yeah, I, I, uh, it's funny, Suzanne Farrell has a quote that plie is the first thing you learn as a student and the last thing you master as a professional. And I feel like a lot of what Stanley's, uh, specialty was, was the resistance to the ground that even if you were holding your leg, it wasn't a static position that there was, that there was inherent movement like a non-movement movement that you were mm -hmm. constantly stretching and resisting the ground. And it just made you uh, elongate. And I knew that after working with him, the entire structure of my body just changed. It, it went from being kind of, I guess, a little muscle bound from working mm -hmm. with Paul and doing a hundred tantus in each direction <laughs> uh -huh. uh, to, to feeling like really long, you know, my, I felt like my legs got longer 
working with that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think one thing that I hope I always give my students is that nothing is ever, uh, nothing is ever given through intimidation. I never use scare tactics. And that's something that, that a lot of directors that I've worked under have, you mm -hmm. know, and it, I knew I didn't ever respond well to it if it mm -hmm. was fear based. Mm -hmm. And I knew that what made me feel the most seen is to not be screamed at, you know, right. that, that it was a collaborative effort. And, um, you know, I never heard Stanley raise his voice at all. Mm -hmm. Everything was gentle and, uh, it was a pleasure, you know, it's like everyone who worked with him, it was just like, you were there to, to get information from him and to kind of share this unique classroom experience. Um, I, I think Stanley made you really aware of like your inner thigh on your standing leg. I think, I think the way you, used your feet into the ground was very specific. The way you raised your legs from the ground, the way uh, fifth position is, is our home base as dancers. Mm -hmm. You know, everything comes from fifth position, basically one leg in uh, working in opposition of the other leg, right. both in kind of it's like DNA strands that are moving, you know, in opposite spirals. Mm -hmm. And, uh, to feel that sense of uh, spiraling into the ground, it 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 was less uh, clunky mm -hmm. and more sophisticated. So the minute you left fifth position to do a tondu, it was in to go out. Mm -hmm. So that right. there was like an engagement of squeezing the fifth to leave fifth and to go right back. So it gave kind of an elasticity to the movement as well as to the ground. So it's, I could yeah. go on and on. I about miss it. that <laughs> feeling. That sounds so good. No, I know. I well, when, when steps and Broadway dance center are back open, Rebecca, we'll go take Kurt's class together. <laughs> I don't know if I can do the spiral anymore, but in my mind, I'll try. <laughs> in our minds, let's just close our eyes and just make spirals. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to get too dark here, but you were one of the last generations that got to really work with Stanley. So, when Stanley passed, was there, um, how did, how were you coping with that loss of a mentor and, and what ended up kind of filling that space for you? It was really hard. And I, I would be lying if even to this day, I don't say, I, I think of him every time I teach or mm -hmm. I miss him. Uh, I wish he could have seen the dancer I turned out to be versus, you know, someone starting their career. And um, it, he died when we were on tour with the company. I think we were in Australia at mm -hmm. the time. And Kyle uh, went back with the company. But I stayed in Australia with Ed Liang. And we, you know, spent an extra few days drinking mm -hmm. wine and, <laughs> you know, going to the zoo and being tourists and everything. And uh, this was like pre-cell phone, I think, because I, mm -hmm. I think I came home and Kyle, Kyle's the one who broke the news to me. And it just mm -hmm. felt devastating because I, I felt like he was so instrumental in bringing us to New York. I mean, right. he, he single-handedly was because mm -hmm. the Rudolph Nureyev 
Foundation had just been established, Kyle and I were the first recipients of the Rudolph Norea Scholarship, mm-hmm. which paid everything. It paid for our our plane tickets to right. come to New York. It paid for our food and our classes. And, and you know, I, I don't know that Peter necessarily would have taken us into the company if it weren't for him. I, mm-hmm. I hope he would have, but... I'm sure Stanley was in his ear encouraging him because Stanley's the one who saw, saw us work every day. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of felt like when he died, a big cheerleader of mine wasn't there anymore. And uh, I guess you, you've, there's so much when you're dancing in, in a company, especially at New York city ballet, that's so big uh, and so cold in a way that you can't wait for inspiration necessarily at the top. You have to motivate yourself, you know, and uh, I remember one of the first things Rosemary even said to all of us who came in that year is no news is good news. If you don't hear anything from us, it means you're doing well. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> um, right. And I, and I, I didn't really hear very much. I guess that meant that I was doing okay, but uh, I miss, I missed feeling like someone was in my corner giving me things to work on or, or, or pulling me to the front to have me demonstrate something. Then you just kind of feel a little bit lost. Uh, And the payback would be getting through the day and then you would, your payback would be getting to perform every night, Mm -hmm. but there would be a lot that you would feel like you would, have to just get through the day and the insecurity and the exhaustion and frustration. And, uh, the thing that's great, uh, is that I felt like at 18 years old, I fulfilled my, my life's dream, you know, that I got in that company. It was the only company I, there wasn't a backup plan really for me. It was just to keep my fingers crossed to get in the company. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then- I wanted to contrast a little bit because I obviously you had this big dream and I, I'm guessing that I know you're an Uber bun head like us. And I mean, <laughs> yes, from, from your treasure trove of videos, which we're going to get to absolutely we want to talk about. But so that must have been happening kind of was that more like Paul time or SAB was it really I mean, I just picture you like living at the library and going to the ballet every night. And that I'm, started at Paul's time. Okay. Uh, there wasn't a, a whole lot of footage to go around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is obviously pre YouTube when I was there, this was 1989 and, uh, Suzanne would, would be, uh, in, in Fort Worth, maybe once a year, twice a year, staging things or overseeing certain things. And, um, and the minute, you know, she walked in the room, it was like, oh, my God, there she is. And, you know, she'd walk in with her shawl and her stirrup tights, <laughs> like looking very Suzanne Farrell. And um, and I I had friends in the company who, you know, they taped things off live from Lincoln Center and they would put compilation tapes together, you know, because I would just eat it up. I couldn't see enough, you know, and I wanted to see more and more. And uh, I got to watch all of these incredible dancers every single day at in Fort Worth ballet dancing the rep, but then to see, uh, you know, tapes of, of, uh, Balanchine's muses actually dancing ballets that were created specifically for them. 
I was really grateful uh, in in having people share things with me, and mm-hmm. uh, and everybody in my in my family's a little bit OCD about one thing or another. <laughs> we're, we're very obsessive and addictive, and uh, I think one thing I was always very addictive with was scrapbooking mm-hmm. or or saving footage. And, you know, even as a young kid, I knew that a dance career was short and I'm glad I did because a lot of people don't, a lot of people leave the company and then 10 years later, they're like, Oh my God, I've got nothing to show for it. You know, you feel like you've made a mark, but then it's like a whole generation has gone by and you feel like, does anyone even remember me? Right. Or do I even remember, like, what would I even think if I saw a tape of myself? Would I be happy right. at it about it? Or would I be critical? And, um, so I think people around me would always give me things. And, uh, certainly principal dancers when I came to New York and teachers would, would always be, you know, they recognized that I loved it, you mm-hmm. know, and would always give me things. And, um, so I kind of became a collector mm-hmm. and, and that would honestly be my, my motivation. A lot of times, right. you know, if I didn't hear anything from the top, uh, it would be watching a tape of something and just like, what do I, what can I glean from this person's performance that right. I absolutely love? Like, how does a grainy, uh, you know, VHS tape, why does that give me chills mm-hmm. in comparison with seeing something live? You know, right. what, what about the musicality? What about the, the daring and the mm-hmm. abandon and, you know, dancing on the edge to where you're going to either fall on your face or you're going to do six pirouettes. You know, <laughs> there was something that was so thrilling about that, not being uh-huh. safe. And that was something that, you know, every director is going to put their stamp on the company. And uh, Peter, you know, he kept the company really afloat. It, it, uh, he was always great with bringing in choreographers and everything, but, you know, Peter's, uh, what he wanted was clean, you know, he was a clean dancer and with, with a beautiful body. And I think he wanted, he wanted things clean, but not necessarily, uh, you know, uh, untrustworthy. He he wanted something that wasn't going to be a disaster on stage. Uh, but wanted you to, not, to do the, the pirouette. He wanted you to, to right. make sure that you did the pirouettes. That's check exactly check the boxes. Right. And Sean Stevens, my friend, uh, Sean Stevens, who, you know, Peter was very close with and uh, who was a soloist in the company. And uh, I got to know years later when we were doing Moving Out together and she was working with Twyla. Uh, she said, Peter says, I just want someone to go on stage and do a perfect double pirouette. So it's exactly what you just said. (laughs) That's kind of reduces it to that. But Mm -hmm. and that's not good or bad. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like you kind of want to see someone do a beautiful double pirouette. But Mm -hmm. I think what made me want to be a ballet dancer and what excited me about New York City Ballet was that I wasn't a white tights kind of dancer. I I don't know that I would have seen myself as a professional dancer if I was going out and trying to do Giselle or Swan mm-hmm. Lake, like, cause that's not what excited me. And that's not what I was really good at. Like mm-hmm. all the neoclassical things, all the edgy things and, 
you know, um, the athleticism behind it. Like, that's what I love doing. Like, mm-hmm. where the black tights, right. leotards, you know, the black and white things I absolutely mm-hmm. loved. I also think, like, when you were talking about you're either going to fall on your face or do six pirouettes, it immediately called forth this memory of uh, of a tape of Suzanne in um, Symphony in C in yeah. the finale. And you do double pirouette, round jump to the fourth, double pirouette, round jump to the fourth. You do two turns before you do the final turn and in both of the first two turns it looks like she's gonna fall on her head and then she literally does six pirouettes so it's that <laughs> sense of like daring it's like it's, you're yeah. like oh my god is she gonna die or is know, she gonna do the best thing i've it. ever seen yeah. yeah i've got that one <laughs> yeah of course you do of <laughs> course throws her arms up right at the end and yeah you hear the audience just like <gasps> you know because it it really is it's mm-hmm. It's exciting. So I I want to switch um, gears on this topic because we just have to talk about your Instagram. It was on our list of things to talk about. And while we're talking about your need for scrapbooking, like you're saying, to preserve these memories, how did you kind of first decide, okay, I'm, I can use what I have and share it? And like, what were you hoping that your audiences would get out of your Instagram presence and these amazing videos that you're sharing? Well, I think for so long, uh, I was really private about, you know, whatever I had. But if a certain dancer wanted to see something that we're learning apart, uh, um, you know, I would I would share it, you know, Mm -hmm. but uh, I always felt like I could never do that in a very public way because Mm -hmm. of copyright things. And um, but then it started seeming like. Uh, you know, so I would sit on everything. It's not like I ever posted anything and, uh, you know, ballet wise. And, uh, but then I started seeing other dancers doing it. You know, there's a lot of ex, uh, city ballet dancers who will post full ballets on there and kind of felt like, well, are things changing or are Mm -hmm. things kind of loosening up a little bit? And then more often than not, I would see such horrible representations of about <laughs> like you know from some russian yeah company that say like, rush yeah. up does not look like that you know so and it's the only thing you it, can find it, totally and it, that that made me so angry and so frustrated right. like i felt like almost a responsibility to kind of put good content out right. and um so uh i i I started doing it kind of a little bit at a time. Uh, and, you know, you have to be careful. Uh, so I've, I've had to, you know, put things that were filmed just for broadcast these days, like nothing, nothing else uh, uh, is really allowed, mm-hmm. I've found. Um, but uh, I, I do what I can to kind of put, put the best things out there than I can. Yeah. And um I just don't want to get sued. But outside of the balancing rep, which of course, you know, we are the three of us partial to, um, but you have such an amazing collection that includes lots of famous classical dancers or outside yeah. co- companies outside of New York City Valley. And I love those as much, you know. Yeah. There's lot lots of of non-balancing tidbits that are still just incredible so i love the full range of what you're sharing there oh thank you i appreciate it. i love doing it you know mm-hmm. if 
if I could get paid to do it, I would really love to do it. <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm I'm uh, a non-paid employee of New York City. Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's, whether they like it or not, I'm hoping to kind of, you know, publicize the company in, mm-hmm. in the best way I know right, how, right. which includes the legacy. You know, that's mm-hmm. where you see... My God, what a, an amazing institution that mm-hmm. has changed an entire art form. Right. And um, it's always from a, I, I post things as an offering to something that changed my life forever, you know? And, uh, you know, it felt like when I left City Ballet to, you know, do things on Broadway and then other gigs, uh, even though my, uh, my career still involved ballet classes. I wasn't really teaching at that point, mm-hmm. and my mind was a little bit elsewhere. But I find that uh, now that I'm really just kind of a ballet teacher, in addition to kind of ballet coach, whether it's film or or whatever, uh, I'm kind of back in that headspace again, to mm-hmm. where uh, I get to be a bunhead again and get yeah. to share things and. Yeah. But I love doing it. I really do. And it's uh, if I if I could have full permission, I would really. I mean, I I think go you'd crazy. You'd really go off. <laughs> yeah, but, if any, yeah. If anyone listening is not following you, do it right now. Yeah. Pull oh, over if you're driving. Get on Instagram. <laughs> follow him. So yeah. Fun. Um, so I, I, I do want to talk about your time on Broadway and all the work you've done and in film and TV, but let's, um, let's still talk a little bit more about your time in New York City Ballet. Yeah. Um, in particular, the fact, you know, siblings are very common in a lot of ballet companies and especially in New York City Ballet, but um, dancing with your identical twin is less common. So um, what were some of the, you know, pros and cons of that? You have someone obviously that understands you, but then... Um, I imagine it's difficult when you're trying to form a singular path as well. Right. Uh, well, uh, I think before Kyle and I even really got into ballet, uh, I think we were probably about 10 years old and we were doing this dance convention called Dance Caravan. Uh, there's a ballet teacher named Jerry Rose, who actually I'm kind of reconnected with again via Instagram, who uh, he he pulled this aside and he opened up this dance magazine that had a photo of Peter and Paul frame. Mm-hmm. And he said, look, these are twins. They're in New York city ballet together. And so I always knew of the frame twins. And then when I started getting into, um, uh, the city ballet legacy a little bit more and reading up on it, uh, I, I heard Balanchine used to love having siblings in the company. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they were the Sackets, they were the Bournes, uh, the Stevens, you know, Sean Stevens and Gordon Stevens. And, uh, and so it kind of felt like city ballet used to kind of be known for either twins or brother, sister things, but there hadn't been, uh, it seemed like kind of a while that, that twins, uh, had been in the company and Mm -hmm. it, you know, it didn't even really occur to me whether I loved it or didn't like it. Um, Kyle would probably give you a different opinion. I just knew that uh, we always kind of felt like a team. Mm -hmm. And uh, I never certainly felt competitive with him. I just always wanted us both to be good. And uh, I think in a lot of classes, Kyle would get really 
um, angry at me because I had always give him corrections and he would always kind of take it that I, I was kind of talking down to him. And, uh-huh. but I wanted the same corrections. I wanted uh-huh. him to tell me if my foot looks sickled, like I would <laughs> want anybody to tell me if my foot's a little sickled. Um, but I, and so when we got in the company, it, uh, a, a lot of our early kind of soloist things were a little bit playing to the fact that we were twins, whether it was like, you know, doing tap dance things, you know, Robbie LaFosse had this Duke Ellington thing called Duke that Kyla and I tapped in. And, mm-hmm. um, we did, you know, like the bartenders in right. slaughter okay. or the jockey dance in uh, in Bournemouth, divertismonts. And, uh, that was actually, actually after Stanley had just died. And, uh, and, you know, I, I kind of love the fact like, oh, we've kind of got a gimmick, you know, mm-hmm. that this is fun. And it felt very natural to look across the stage and see him smiling back at me, that it felt mm-hmm. very familiar. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gave me confidence that he was there. Uh, but then I think the longer we were in the company and each really wanting to be seen as an individual, it, it did start bothering me that no one knew our name. No one right. knew how to tell the difference between the two of us. And these were people that were actually casting the ballets. And if I felt like I was, you know, having a great season, um, it felt like, well, if they can't tell the difference, they're not going to reward one of us over the other one by giving us something featured. So it, right. then it just felt like we're, there's a ceiling over both of our heads now, mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, and uh, it made me uh, frustrated, you know, mm-hmm. and it felt like I hated and, and I'm sure Kyle felt exactly the same way. Nutcracker party scene, when you're a parent and you're on the side of the stage and you're looking at your twin brother doing soldier, you're like, oh, I hope he gets it. I hope he doesn't <laughs> fall out of a pirouette or something. And I sure felt exactly the same way, but it was this feeling of being out of control. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like he was representing me, but I was out of control of his performance. Uh, right. in control, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. uh, it felt like, uh, Right before I left the company, uh, I knew Kyle was kind of probably itching to do his own thing. And I remember Kyle, I think, was actually the first person who said, like, maybe I'll start auditioning for Broadway stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, neither one of us had ever gone to a Broadway audition. Uh, and then right before, uh, like a few months before I left the company, out of a fluke, both of our names kind of got uh, passed on to Binder Casting. Sarah Prosser was uh, uh, was looking to hire a replacement for Moving Out. One mm-hmm. of the because one of the leads had just died. He had died in this motor- motorcycle accident mm-hmm. right before show, and so there was kind of this desperate uh, search, like who can fill that spot, uh, and. You know, Kyle and I walked in there like so cocky. I'm sure like we didn't know, we didn't know anything, but we <laughs> thought we did, you know, but all we knew was that, hey, we're dancers with New York City Ballet, you know, get out of our ways. <laughs> and, uh, uh, <laughs> we sound like such jerks, but it, wasn't, it just it was just kind of I had never had to audition really for mm-hmm. anything before. Right. Um, and we had to do, you know, a few 
a few different things for Twyla, and uh, one of them was Uptown Girl, and then there was this this solo to Summer Highland Falls. This was all Billy Joel music, this Billy Joel Broadway show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I felt like I did really, really well. And then at the end, Twyla came up to both of us and she said, thank you for coming today. Uh, You're just not tall enough. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at her like, well, you got our resume. It has our height right on. it." (laughs) And I'm sure I kind of rolled my eyes at her because then she was like, but I'm having an audition for Twyla Tharp Dance a few days from now. I would love if you both would would, uh, come and be seen for it. And Mm -hmm. I think we just walked away from her. I don't even think we acknowledged what she said. Oh my God. And <laughs> now I'm like, where did I get off? You know, thinking that. Uh-huh. Um, but then like a week later, Kyle, we both got called in for a different part that they were mm-hmm. casting. Uh, and Kyle said, you know, I feel like when it's both of us going in that they just see us as twins. Let me go in just by myself. And I said, Mm -hmm. fine. Like, I don't even care about this show. Um, Go in and be seen for it. And, um, and, and he was, and he felt like he did really well. And then, um, then they called me back in to be seen. And I just, I remember we were right in the middle of Nutcracker season and my back was like really bad. Uh, It was in spasm. And I remember saying, if I'm not rehearsing on Tuesday, I'll come in. And so I, I went in and uh, it, it was just kind of one of those things. It was like the right place at the right time. I felt like I gave this amazing audition that I can only say that's happened like two or three times in Mm -hmm. my entire career where it felt like, you know, like when you're dancing, you feel like you can do no wrong. Like mm-hmm. you're so on your leg. Like, yeah. And it was, it was amazing. This feeling that I just gave myself goosebumps and it just felt, it felt great. Uh, and it was never something that I felt like I'm going to go steal anything away from my twin brother, but it just kind of felt like, you know what? I had a great audition and I ended up booking the show. So uh, that was the, that was the hardest thing was uh, was telling Kyle, you know, because uh, because I didn't want him to feel like I was going in and, uh, you know, taking something away from him. But, uh, you know, so I left. I gave my notice to the company, which was so weird, you know, to call, uh, you know, immediately after finding out the next day that I booked the show Mm -hmm. was telling Kyle first and then making an appointment to speak with Rosemary and Peter Mm -hmm. that night. And, um, and I remember Peter and Rosemary were like, have you ever worked with Twyla before? And I said, no, but she's offering me a lead in a Broadway show. And I kind of feel like this is never going to happen to me again, you know, for someone to trust me with the spotlight is something that I don't really feel like I'm getting the opportunity with here. And, um, and they said, well, have you even seen the show? And I said, no, (laughs) (laughs) maybe you want to go in and actually see the show before you like really kind of, you know, give your exit. So Mm -hmm. I went in that night, I explained to the company manager of moving out, like, can I get a comp like to come in and see this? And my God, I was just bowled over by it. I just Mm -hmm. thought it was so different, but all those dancers up there were just 
incredible. And everyone came from like a different background. There were, you know, people, people from ABT, there were people from New York city ballet, Ben Bowman, mm-hmm. uh, whose part I was actually going in for, um, and, you know, people from Martha Graham, people from the Broadway world. And Twyla was so good at making this kind of non-cookie cutter show that everyone looked like a different human being up st- on, on stage. Mm-hmm. And you believed this world, you know, and but everybody was trusted to kind of bring everything that brought them to that point out there on stage. Right. And um and I loved it. And so I went in, you know, the next day and I just said, yeah, I, I, I think okay. that this is good. And, <laughs> um, you know, and I think it was probably really hard for Kyle also because, you know, the two of us were kind of joined at the hip for as much as we kind of bitched at each other back and forth, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, uh, it was, it was hard. It was hard for me to not have him there. We were each other's security blankets through so much of our life that, mm-hmm to be seen to walk in a theater and for people to just say, hi, Kurt. And for there never to be a mistake of calling Kyle was so weird, you know, to not hear any kind of hesitation behind the name. And, uh, but there was kind of an, a, a delayed, uh, adolescence that each of us had to go through, you know, when you're half of a whole, uh, which is kind of how we saw ourselves. Mm-hmm. you fill in the gaps with each other uh, in each other's psyche, you know, right. you didn't feel complete unless the other one was there. So it was hard for me. It was hard for him, but it was really needed. And I think I was, I was 26. Uh, yeah, I was 26. So that's kind of a delayed adolescence at 26 right. to, to finally, be a a grown man, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, but it it was good. And, you know, something that was great from it is Kyle discovered his own, uh, uniqueness. He fell in love with photography and instantly he came out with this incredible book on the company called in the wings where he wrote the text to it. It was like a photo journal, you know, from morning class through PT, through, all the rehearsals uh, culminating in the performances at night. And he gave this kind of vantage point that was so interesting. And uh, he had such access uh, that it had been a while, you know, Stephen Karras, who was phenomenal and Mm -hmm. Martha Swope and Paul Kolnick, you know, and Costas, everybody has kind of their unique stamp in photography. But I felt like Kyle was so much a part of, the company that Mm -hmm. he uh, he could witness a lot of things that people were really themselves. He could be a fly on the wall and show this. And yeah. Um, So at this point, you guys, you know, you're really forging your own paths and um, you start to get a lot of work on Broadway to, to, my eyes, reading your bio, at least, and knowing you from the outside, (laughs) you know, it seems like it, it starts happening pretty quickly and easily. You're getting like, gig after gig, like important big things, American in Paris and Billy Elliot. And so was this like, um, you know, was that a plan or were you just kind of thinking like one step at a time? It was one step at a time. Like I didn't really, uh, I think when you're in a 
ballet company, it's an institution that you mm-hmm. feel like is always going to be there. Right. And so when I joined Moving Out and it was so well received and, uh, you know, audiences were really packed for, I, I think it ran for three years. Um, the last year I was out with a major injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think I ever thought it was going to end. Right. Even though you know Broadway shows don't last forever, I think I felt so robbed when it finally ended that mm-hmm. I knew that uh, the genie was out of the bottle and that I felt like I couldn't go back to a ballet company because I felt right. like I did it already. And uh, it it started making me aware of like, you know, as dancers, we have a short shelf life Mm -hmm. and something that I never knew was important to me, but started becoming important to me was how much can I stick in this career Mm -hmm. in the next 14 years or less Mm -hmm. uh, that my body can still kind of do this. And uh, I felt like when I joined moving out that the whole ceiling lifted off of what I thought I wanted to do with my performing career as an mm-hmm. artist. Uh, I felt like I was a little bit of an expert in the balancing style, but when I started working with Twyla, it was a new style to get used to and a new way to act on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it felt like it, it gave me a different skill set. Uh, and I started trusting myself in a way that I never trusted myself when I was at city ballet, like where it's so technique driven, um, you know, feet and legs and turnout, like all of those things. I mean, feet, I had to really work on, you know, and Mm -hmm. I've got the, I've got the two foot surgeries to (laughs) to prove how much (laughs) I like force these biscuits of mine to point (laughs) halfway uh, to get into New York city ballet. But uh, it, it kind of felt like when I joined uh, moving out, Twyla said, I don't want you to think of yourself as just a dancer anymore. I want you to think of yourself as a performer. Mm -hmm. And it, it kind of resonated with me. Like, you know what? You're right. I, this involves, a lot of just going out there and, and pointing my feet and, you know, being a, a classical or neoclassical dancer, I am carrying a story. I am in two acts. I am hopefully making the audience uh, in love with my character. So when I get killed in Vietnam and come back in the next act that I want them to cry. Like mm-hmm. I want it to be devastating And how do you create that without opening your mouth? How do you create that with just being out there and creating something, you know, real with your partner? Uh, You know, Billy Joel's lyrics were what fueled the story. You know, he Mm -hmm. told the story of Brenda and Eddie and scenes from an Italian restaurant. And, you know, Twyla was really kind of a genius in how she kind of assorted these, uh, you know, all these characters from these songs and created this this story out of it. And so anyway, it, it may seem from my, my bio that one thing kind of came after another, but it was really a struggle. It really was. And I, I have to say when, when the show 
uh, stopped and I realized, you know what, I want to, I want to try to stay on Broadway. I want to try to sustain myself to have to take voice lessons was incredibly Hmm. humbling. (laughs) And it was, it's really hard when you feel like you're at the top of your art form to be way at the bottom at another one Mm -hmm. and to go in and sell yourself when you know full well you sound horrible (laughs) you know not horrible but not good right right, and um it's it's really hard uh yeah you feel really vulnerable Mm -hmm. and but i just had this tenacity one thing that was good from my you know, chaotic childhood is I wasn't going to really take no for an answer. I was going to, I was just going to go out there and do it and, you know, put on a brave face and do it. So I just would get every single audition in my calendar. I probably audition for four things every week. And I don't think I got another show for three years. So it was... It was tough. It was really three years. It was 2008 by the time I got my second Broadway show, which Mm -hmm. was Pal Joey. Mm -hmm. And I, I, my boyfriend at the time, as well as Kyle, uh, they were saying, you know what? Maybe you should consider massage school because they knew (laughs) I, I, you know, loved, you know, massaging and diagnosing people's ailments and things like that. They kind of felt like, you know what, maybe this isn't in the cards for you. And, and I blew up at them. Like, how dare you make me doubt myself? (laughs) I felt like it's just around the corner. It's just around the corner. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of artists who have that same feeling and Mm. they, go bankrupt because it's never around the corner, even though they believe it is, you know? So I didn't want to be delusional about it, but I really had good instincts in that. I really feel like it is. And uh, within like a month of having that conversation with Kyle and my partner at the time, uh, I ended up booking that show, which was like, see, told you. I know. It's like, finally I'm vindicated. Uh And, uh, and then after that, things sped up. But, okay. you know, it, 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 goes, it goes in waves. You know, sometimes you're, you're on the receiving end. Sometimes, sometimes it's just, you know, it's like feast or famine. And mm-hmm. uh, it's about, I guess, counting your, saving your pennies so that when you're unemployed for, uh, you know, Periods months, of time, maybe yeah. years, you you can kind of sustain yourself. So, mm-hmm. uh, I have a uh, question because I, I mean, I don't. This is very like uh, lowbrow of me, but I, you know, I'm just thinking like obviously ballet and Broadway they have such different um, demands and um, moments of you know trials and tribulations. So, but which was harder for you? Mm-hmm. Which is hard? <laughs> Who gets the bragging rights of the tougher well, they're industry? Harder, they're harder in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're hard in different ways. I can speak English. Um, I I think uh, the ballet world is really exhausting and that you're constantly learning new ballets that are going to go sometimes the next day. Like mm-hmm. that was the thing about doing 50 ballets a season at New York City Ballet. You're 
you you learn some of the bigger ballets during the rehearsal period before you're in season, but sometimes there's a little bit of a, a backlog or bottleneck in that, I mean, we put on square dance in four hours when Oof. it didn't go for a year and a half, or PC2 in a day and a half, you know, when it didn't go for two years. So uh, there's a lot of learning uh, where you have to keep your brain really awake and also staving off injuries. Uh, but there's in a Broadway show, especially if it's really dance driven, your body wears out because of the repetitive motion. And mm-hmm. a lot of times the, the stages are unsprung. Sure. Um, uh, American in Paris, it was a steel stage. It should have been a sprung stage. And I, I was so angry that it never was because Oof. it didn't involve any automation. It should have been, but it was mm-hmm. just uh, producers didn't, I think, want to pay for it. It's mm-hmm. not cheap, but mm-hmm. to jump, and especially that's when my body started wearing out, you mm-hmm. know, between my 12 bulging and herniated discs, my toe uh, needing major surgery, I had to like tape my foot together to get out there and do to American in Paris. And it was, Oh my God, it was painful. Mm -hmm. Um, and also I was the dance captain on the show as well as the swing, uh, Mm -hmm. in the, in the first part of that show. Uh, so it's an enormous amount of work, especially, you know, every show is a little bit different American in Paris. There are rarely moments where it's, uh, in unison everybody's mm-hmm. track is totally different. And there were all these uh, screens that you had to move around. So it oh, was, yeah. I mean, I, remember that. God, yeah. I don't think I've ever had to work harder in terms of charting things out. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, you know, I was teaching principles during the day and going, getting thrown in for a track I had never done, you know, A few hours later, sometimes at like an hour's notice. So it's terrifying. And sometimes, you know, you'd have to put these, these screens for them to be lit correctly with the projections. They'd say, put it on the yellow tape marks, you know, at this spot, but they didn't say, you know, the lights are blue. So Uh, yellow tape looks green. So I would be out there without ever having a stage rehearsal for something. I was like, where are the yellow, you know, spy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they really are hard in different ways. And, mm-hmm. uh, also if, if you do a show, if, if you've got a, a permanent track in a show and you do it night after night and you're doing the same show for sometimes two years, you don't want it to get stale and it can feel like, it can feel like Groundhog Day. Right. You know? Imagine that. Um, is today Groundhog Day? Or was I that? I think it was, was it yesterday? It was the day okay. before. It's all it's every- where It's winter. <laughs> <laughs> Just spoiler. It doesn't, like doesn't matter what day it was. It's winter forever. Yeah. So um. <laughs> fresh in your head. It keeps yeah. your body from wearing out for the repetitive motion of doing one jump mm-hmm. after another. Just on one side over and over. You know, that can mm-hmm. kill you. So. Yeah. So it was... Uh, your role as Dan- dance captain for American Paris, was that kind of the first time where you were starting to step outside of j- mere- merely merely being a dancer? You know, mm-hmm. now you teach and you've done repetitor work and... Um, uh, no, it was it was probably... Uh, it might have been a decade before. Uh, after I did 
after I did my second Broadway show, which was uh, Pal Joey at Studio 54, mm-hmm. that was like an acting show. That was with Stocker Channing and Martha Plimpton, who were both phenomenal, and Joe Montello directed it. It was, it was just an acting show. So for me, it was very different, and right. I loved it. And I was a swing on that show. So every part I did was, was you know, different acting bits. Mm-hmm. Um, but right after that is when I was uh, I was trying to get ready for Twyla's next Broadway show, which was Come Fly Away. Or at that point, it was called Come Fly With Me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I worked my butt off to get in shape to work with her again. Mm-hmm. Uh, because doing Moving Out is when I whiplashed my neck and herniated all those discs in my neck. That's what I didn't think I was going to dance again after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I... I know how she feels about injured dancers, which is she kind of blames you. She feels like Very you're skeptical. Not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I don't like that. Like I, I, really, <laughs> I resent that because it's part oh. of our world. Right. But yeah. I wanted to work with her again. So mm-hmm. I tried to do everything I could to get in shape, you know, and I got in there really strong. And on the second day, just learning choreography, I almost broke my ankle. I was like marking like a fuete jump and I like landed so on the outside of my foot that, I mean, the doctors in the emergency room, they thought it had shattered and, but it was a really high sprain. So uh-huh. your tibia and fibula pull apart. So, uh, I was on the, on the, S list with her. Uh, I don't know if I can swear on this, but yeah, we, anyway, yeah. um, so anyway, I was like, Oh my God, what am I going to do this year? Because mm. I had been banking on working with her. I now just on top of being unemployed, I was injured. So I couldn't even audition for anything. And probably like a week later, uh, it's when I was on Facebook a lot. I messaged my friend, Benjamin Millipier, from City Ballet, we were both, you know, in the company together. And I just say, hey, what's up? And and he wrote back and he said, what are you doing right now? And I said, I'm icing my foot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm on crutches. And he said, are you available like the next two months or three months? He said, uh, I'm, I just booked this movie called Black Swan that Darren Aronofsky is is." going to direct and he said but i've got to be in paris choreographing a ballet for paris opera ballet during pre-production i need someone to basically run uh the pre-production uh with natalie portman and mila kunis and Mm -hmm. and benjamin knew i was a big film buff and that i knew darren aronofsky's movies uh from pie to requiem for a dream and the fountain and uh so he knew uh i knew darren's style and Mm -hmm. Benjamin always trusted my taste. So uh, it kind of felt like a perfect fit, you know? So I went in and we started, you know, brainstorming scenes with dancers. You know, Tyler Peck was kind of involved in the beginning just as a body. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just kind of thinking, how could this work? How could this script work? How could these dance scenes be done? And uh, one thing that was awesome about Darren is he really wanted it... uh, as much as possible, the beginning of the movie to be uh, kind of documentary style. He wanted the script, depart, d- despite where it goes to, he wanted mm-hmm. it to kind of feel grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would contribute, 
you know, ideas for dialogue. Like maybe this would make more sense than this, or mm. this would never really happen. And mm. so anyway, that was 2009, 2010 that I was working on that. Uh, they just, uh, Benjamin just thought I was going to just do the pre-production, but it, all of the dancings I had to be there for, mm-hmm. um, because Benjamin was in the dancings. He needed someone to be out front with Darren looking at the monitor. And sure. But right after that, uh, Jeff Edwards, um, who used to be a soloist at New York City Ballet, uh, he had been doing Billy Elliot on Broadway acting as a resident choreographer. And uh, he was putting together a little bit of a short list uh, for the resident choreographer for the upcoming tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went in. And kind of audition for that. Uh, I had to learn material. And then the next day I had to kind of teach a boy. The mm-hmm. boy already knew it, but they wanted to see how I delivered the material, mm-hmm. how enthusiastic I was, how much I could um, keep their imagination going. Not just mm-hmm. say, you know, turn this out, but say, you know, this should feel like you're a tornado and then I'm going to change the the stations on the TV and now you're a racehorse and you've got to go right across. So it's like, he knew that, you know, for these boys who were like 12 years old, some of them had no ballet training. Um, not only did I have to be able to get them technically to this principal dancer level in like four months before they would get out on stage. It was like a machine. You had to Mm -hmm. keep it running. Uh, talk about a short shelf life. They, you know, by the time their voices changed, sometimes you've invested like six months in a boy and they could have last three months. So then you were already having to do it. So, um, that, so doing black Swan into Billy Elliot were two major teaching gigs. Mm -hmm. And then after I came back and took over the Broadway show from Jeff of Billy Elliot, um, I, there wasn't any work again. So then I, I had to kind of get my own body back in shape because I felt like I've got, uh, I've got to broaden my skill set again. Like I can't just go in for teacher things or associate choreographer things. Like I've got to be, uh, I've got to be a performer again if I'm going to sustain myself. And, Mm -hmm. um, so it's a little bit of pounding the pavement again. And then I think, uh, flesh and bone, the, the cable series came about for stars that was all set in the ballet world and uh, American in, Por- in Paris was right after that. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of walking both sides. Yeah. Um, I was lucky that I had some big, big gigs while I was still performing to kind mm-hmm. of get my feet wet. And it gives you perspective when you've, uh, when you're able to do that, because as a teacher, you think of things differently, especially my two teaching things were breaking thing down, breaking things down for actors who had little experience right. or for kids. Right. So both you had to, you had to choose your words. And if right. one, if one, uh, if one way about it didn't work you had to you had to think of a different way in sure. to, to make something resonate with them so mm-hmm. anyway yeah um i just want to hear a little bit um about your celebrity coaching too um so you're working with these big stars like you mentioned natalie portman how 
is that? No, you're, I mean, so you've already worked with kids, right? Who don't really understand dance. So you're now working with adults and very established actresses. Um, how do you kind of like start with them? And what is your process for giving them this ballet like look in very short periods of time? Uh, I think every project is really different. Um, you have to, you have to understand what the director is thinking. You have to understand how good they have to be, you know, cause every script is a little different. Like, is this a major ballet dancer or is it, you know, like when I worked with Christina Ricci, she was playing Zelda Fitzgerald at like 15 years old. She doesn't have to be good. Right. And right this right. was during the twenties. It wasn't even good during right. this year. <laughs> and so all my ideas of sophisticated musicality, it had to get scrapped. It had to be like Dolly Dinkle, you know, mm-hmm. on toe, you know, and uh, <laughs> so I think understanding the budget too, if, right. if there's uh, space for visual effects, if they can do mm-hmm. um, face replacement, mm-hmm. or if it's going to be just shooting from the waist up, obviously if you're working with the waist up, it's, much easier than trying to get someone's feet and legs to look mm-hmm. beautiful, you know. Um, like you're not going to get Jennifer Lawrence's feet to look like the Isabella Boylston's, like that, you know. Uh, well, that <laughs> was <possible>. tough. Uh, <laughs> that didn't ever really happen. But uh, I think uh, you know every actor is different. You know, uh, Natalie was very different from Mila. Mila had no dance experience at all, but she looked like a ballet dancer. Yeah. She has yeah. these big eyes and this long neck and yes. long arms. Um, so she can really pull it off despite, mm-hmm. you know, if you see her from the waist down, it's like you would never believe that she had any <laughs> dance classes. But, uh. you know, she had to match the rise and fall. She had to portray a dancer. And um, it's just what's shot. That's the, the, the other thing. It's, um, how it's edited, you know, mm-hmm. so all you need is one sickled foot to kind of break the illusion. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's being there with the director to say, oh, that take isn't good. Make sure right. you flag that. That's not a good one for my end. But this one is. And mm-hmm. um, uh, are you working with them just on shots or were you also having them like do bar and like learn a little oh, bit of yeah. bar? And, yeah. 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 Everything um, with with Black Swan. There were a few other teachers. Uh, Olga Kostritsky was in there teaching some ballet classes and uh, Stavitskaya was in there from SAB. And um, so Benjamin kind of brought in a handful of like older Russian women because he wanted them to kind of emulate that or understand that dynamic and yeah. watch them. And um But so it would start with ballet class for a few hours and then we would start breaking down choreography Uh, in Black Swan in particular, uh, the visual effects we knew um, at that point, if they were going to do face face replacement, they would have to kind of tape out grids on Mm -hmm. the dance doubles face Mm -hmm. so that they could kind of map it, you know, Natalie's Mm -hmm. face on to Sarah Lane or... uh, Or we used uh, Maria Ricchetto for uh, one, like, wide shot of Mila. Mm -hmm. Um, There was very little of Maria, though, that was put in. But um, when I I started working with uh, 
Rooney Mara after we did Black Swan. Uh, Rooney's name, my name got pitched to Rooney because actually of my involvement with uh, Billy Elliot. Mm-hmm. Her, uh, I think it's her cousin, uh, John Mara, was, uh, uh, he worked on the Broadway production of Billy Elliot. So he knew my name and he knew that I worked with actors. And so Rooney, when I was working with her, she, uh, she was shooting this movie side effects in Mm -hmm. New York. Uh, so during the day she would be shooting and then she would come work with me after working with Steven Soderbergh. And, uh, I would teach her, you know, ballet class, like just kind of a straight ballet class focusing Mm -hmm. on different things. Uh, but then like the last hour of it, uh, we would just dance to different music. Uh, she was in preparation for this Terrence Malick film called mm-hmm. song to song where she played a guitarist. And she, I think she wanted to feel uh, a little looser moving to music as well as Ryan Gosling's or, you know, her love interest. Mm-hmm. She just kind of wanted someone to kind of grab her and dance with her a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, sometimes I put on Vienna waltzes and I'd waltz her around just uh-huh. to feel like, what does that feel like to be led? Or, um, then we would, you know, play around to, you know, that singer Robin, we would mm-hmm. do call <laughs> your girlfriend, like all this punching stuff. And mm-hmm. like, and it's funny, a lot of that choreography is what ended up in the movie. It's just Rooney rocking out in her bedroom. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's the stuff we did from Robin that one day. Yeah. And, um, so, uh, understanding where the movement kind of fits in character wise, uh, when I knew that we were doing Red Sparrow with Jennifer Lawrence, uh, I knew that that was going to be a tougher feat because Jen had no dance training. Uh, instead of the way Benjamin can see Black Swan was like, okay, what can we do with this actor? What's going to make them look uh, what's going to make them look good and uh, kind of blending what's, what's a good dance idea versus what's actually going to make them look good. You know, it's no good if, you know, it's great choreography, but they can't pull it off in a beautiful way that will break the illusion. So, uh, but it was different when I was working with Justin on Red Sparrow, Justin mm-hmm. Peck, because he thought of it from the other direction. It was more, uh, he was going to choreograph basically seven minutes of choreography to Firebird, uh, mm-hmm. Stravinsky's mm-hmm. Firebird. That's what this whole dance, this ballet that opens the movie is going to be centered around. Uh, the music ended up being scored different, but the, what we chore- choreographed it to was Stravinsky. Um, so there was the opening solo. There was the Firebirds encounter to the Prince. Mm -hmm. There was like this Adagio stuff. And then there was this big, like fiery coda where she's spinning and getting lifted. And, um, so, uh, we worked out the choreography with Isabella Boylston at, who is the dance double as well as James Whiteside from ABT and, uh, got all of the choreography on tape. Mm -hmm. And then I would, either work with Jen in New York or I would fly to LA and work with her in her garage. You know, <laughs> the idea was that I didn't want her stuck in traffic showing right. up late to rehearsals. Like I wanted to go to her to make her life as easy as possible and to maximize uh, my time. So I right. had four hours with her every day for wow. four months. 
minutes. Uh, and it, we needed that, you know, <laughs> like the first rehearsals were just to, you know, roll your shoulders back, keep your ribs closed. Like, let's just do some, you know, arm movement. Like, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about hands. And I would talk, you know, have her hold the ball. Like, you know, Suzanne was always about hold the, hold the ball with, you know, in the palm of your hand. So you have this kind of hollow palm mm-hmm. with your middle finger and thumb and feeling the weight of that, uh, as you're moving. And, uh, then we worked on, uh, what are those called? Uh, turnout discs. Uh-huh. So I wanted her while she was doing all of these things to get that feeling of her legs spiraling into the ground while she's scooping up her stomach. And then we would do it in second position and then right. in fourth position. So we started kind of getting these spirals working in her body. Um, she's getting then, Stanley corrections and she, yeah, even yeah. <laughs> it, it was a little bit more, uh, <laughs> down, I guess. Um, it couldn't be too sophisticated. With it. Uh, I can't say enter there or big toe. She wouldn't have understood it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Have one. laughs> uh, uh, turn, but don't turn. That wouldn't have worked. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, but then, the second half would be going moment by moment. Okay, you're entering the stage, f- flapping your arms. And then it started off uh, really like connecting the dots of this position to this position to this position. So it was maybe one one, one thousandth of the tempo. Uh-huh. Just so she could look in the mirror and see from like, you know, a normal person's eyes. Like, what does this look like? Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm making an L with my arms. Mm -hmm. Uh, I couldn't use any ballet terminology because that would have been useless. It would have been lost on her. So it would be like, okay, you're the mast of a ship, Mm -hmm. you know, while I'm holding her arms back, you know, be like really authoritative. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or her dog Pippi would always be in the garage with her. So this would be like, reach to Pippi on this part <laughs> or this is your favorite part. So we just had like all these like cues mm-hmm. and uh, there were certain things where she would have to be confident as a person for it, for her to pull off the movement. Right. Sure. So beyond even the character on stage, she would have to physically kind of be in her body really firing her body in a certain way for it to look good, you know, Mm -hmm. for it to all come together. Um, And, you know, we would film rehearsals and, you know, I would send them to Justin. I, I, what I'm really thankful uh, for is that Justin really let me do my thing. Mm -hmm. Like he trusted me, uh, my ability to work with actors, breaking things down with actors that he let me do my thing for maybe a month and a half, two months before I even really sent him anything. Uh And the same true with uh, Francis Lawrence, the director, Uh, when we would have to show them little things, uh, (laughs) they were, uh, cause Jen, you know, like any person, your shoulders shrug or your ribs pop out. Um, So I would take Elasticon PT tape, which Uh is heavy duty, really strong tape. And I just said, do you trust me with this? And so I would physically taper shoulders back and down. And she would be wearing this like long, long sleeve black leotard. Uh And we would go through the movement and she looked so much better. Like 
just physically, you know, because her body wasn't really trained up at that point. Yeah. So I, I would just have to literally tape her. going to tape you in, Jen. <laughs> and um, we never really worked with the Stravinsky score mm-hmm. uh, because it's too, it, it's too, you know, most yeah, it's very it's too complex. I mean, We've all worked with dancers, professional dancers yeah. in Stravinsky ballets <laughs> who shouldn't have been allowed it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can 13th with a silent one and then you count yeah. 27 or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I would try to show her films of like Meryl Ashley doing Firebird mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. show her how Firebird is different than Swan Lake. Right. You know, mm-hmm. they're both birds, but notice the ferocity behind firebird or there's more of a um i guess it's it's like more like a hummingbird it kind of buzzes around it's mm-hmm. less ethereal than like odette or odile mm-hmm. um and then teaching her how to spot her head you know part of what's in the script at this one moment while the male protagonist is getting chased by the KGB in Russia, it's cross-cutting with Jen doing these pirouettes on point, you know? Okay. So it's, he's running, she's running. So it's it's this uh, collision of mm-hmm. both storylines happening at the same time. And um, she has this catastrophic injury on stage, uh, which is what sidelines her story to become, that's when she gets recruited to be this, a honeypot kind of spy uh, mm-hmm. for the government. Um, but it was so gross. Like the idea of her leg, you know, she gets landed on spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> basically snaps her tibia and half as you know, he lands on her Oof. from a lunge. Uh, and so anyway, uh, what was, what was hard because, you know, like I was saying, I had to teach her in chunks, like the opening solo, the more adagio part and then the the coda is much faster uh that by the time uh i started with the slow things where i could manipulate her i could mm-hmm. partner her that was an easier thing to introduce her to the movement with because i could correct her on the spot but then we ended actually with the solo and i remember telling justin as well as francis the director like I don't know if this is even going to be possible because it's mm. so fast right. and it's so hard. Uh, what he choreographed with Isabella that uh, I don't know that we can pull this off, but, but by the time I would teach her one thing and move on to the next section, she would have forgotten what I taught her before. Right. So it was like, Oh my God, how do I get all of this mm-hmm. in her, the front of her mind at the same mm-hmm. time to when we're on set, how is she going to be able to, uh, remember all of this. Uh, but we ended up shooting it in Budapest. Uh, and there were different setups. So the first setup would be shooting from the back of the stage towards the audience. So you would get the back of the dancers dancing. And there was actually like 2000, uh, people in the audience dressed as like dignitaries and everything. So it wasn't, it wasn't a visual effect to have all those faces there. It was, there were people there. Um, And that was a really hard thing to start the shoot with because I could not be in front of Jen running the choreographer for her to follow along. So I had to be right behind the camera talking her through things. Uh, 
And, you know, it's, it's a very vulnerable place for an actor to go out there and bullshit their way through something like this, <laughs> yeah. you know? Sure. And it reminded me of like me going in for Broadway auditions having to put on a brave face and sing my 16 bars uh-huh. while knowing like, oh, we both know this doesn't sound good. But <laughs> pretend it does. Um, so my heart was always, I felt for her what she mm-hmm. was going through at this point. And um, so Isabella got this done in like one take, this, this entire thing. And then Jen would go out there and do it. And, you know, she did her first thing and, and a few people started laughing because, you know, when you see someone, at, you know, this incredible ballerina of uh-huh. the 21st century and then right. you see Jennifer Lawrence, it's like, oh my God, that's so terrible. Like apples and oranges. And, uh, oh. you know, she burst into tears. Oh, and poor thing. Horrible. Uh, but she, you know, she, uh, she put on a brave face and she got out there and she did it and she aced it. You know, she really did. Uh, but the next few days were much easier to where I could be in front of her. I could be uh-huh. mimicking things. And uh, I didn't want to use a God mic mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't want, I wanted it. I wanted her uh, to just be listening to me. I didn't mm-hmm. want it to be our instruction to be booming to where everyone could hear because I wanted it to be intimate. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be no different than when we were in the garage together. I wanted Mm -hmm. her to kind of tap into that. Um, So I would, you know, we would run it. I'd say, no, that's not good. Try that again. And so they just left the camera running to where I would say, okay, now run over here, leave your head to the front. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we're going to do this. You go up and over. So, um, We got it faster and faster and faster. It wasn't quite as fast as, you know, what Isabella was doing, but she connected the dots really, really well. And when you see where we started from and where we got to by the end, and then when the visual effects were combined, I mean, it was kind of amazing because, you know, Jen's not built like Isabella. Uh, Few people are. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's unfair to expect that right. you know so uh with black swan natalie and sarah lane were so close in mm-hmm. in in proportion in height in the mm-hmm. size of their head everything the size right. of their feet that uh it could be much a much easier exchange right uh mm-hmm. between the two uh i was relieved that this was 10 years of improvement in visual effects that they were able to kind of combine both their bodies. Right. So I think Isabella, they made her look slightly, maybe a little more athletic mm-hmm. to where she would look a little closer to Jen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they kind of shrank and lengthened, you know, Jen's arms a little bit, but uh, cool. I felt like they, they met somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Uh, And that's all that matters. You know, that's the thing. It's uh, when you're used to doing what we do, where it's on stage, there's no interruption in from you as a performer to what the audience sees. It's a direct line of communication with this. There are so many hands in the mix. There's editing, there's VFX, there's, you know, you don't know what it's going to look like. And especially with the music and everything else. uh, Imagine. 
you feel like your work is done like a year before it finally comes out. And it's always going to be something different than you think it is. So it's, it's fun. I feel like you've created this really cool niche for yourself as a coach for these sorts of things. And we can't wait to see what you do in the future. I think it's so awesome. And it was so great to hear all about that. felt like an inside I love it. I love it. You know, and after Black Swan happened, I thought, oh my God, I wish I could make a living doing this. I wish I could even (laughs) just have another opportunity to do this. And then you did. And when the second thing happened, I was like, oh my God. That would be cool if a third thing happened. So, and yeah. when you kind of, when you start building up a list of clients, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. hope that it gets a little easier with things. Um, but, you know, there were things I was gunning for even after, uh, after Red Sparrow happened. Like, look, I've got, you know, Jet- Jen's letter of recommendation. I've got nice. Natalie's, like, please consider me for this. And yeah. if things are filming in London, they're going to use someone from in London. London. They're not right. going to import necessarily an American to choreograph it or coach mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. so it's a business. So. Yeah. I love it. So at this point, I feel like you've worn about every hat mm-hmm. one could wear <laughs> in a multitude of different industries. But is there something that you would like to do just for our last question? Is there something that you haven't had an opportunity to do um, in dance that you would like to do? I would love to be a repetitor for the Balancing Trust yeah, or the Robbins Trust. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's funny. The thing I'm so passionate about, it's it's hard to get in. Elusive. It's hard to be considered. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like I've got so much understanding of the history of some of these things and the dancers who did them and uh, that I feel like that's the last thing on my bucket list. Like. Mm-hmm please let me do it. It's so close to my heart. It's yeah. so hard to, uh, you know, obviously the people who understand how passionate I am about it, they see like, okay, of course I would want that because everything I do every day is leading up to that. Right. Um, that's the last thing yeah. I hope that it happens. My fingers are always crossed that in the yeah. future, an opportunity would happen. Yeah. Um, Cause you don't, you, it's hard because repetitors are starting to pass away and mm-hmm. it's, you don't want that chain to be broken. No. Uh, right. I mean, you have so much knowledge from just one step removed, you know, you right. didn't work with balancing, but you worked with all of those people right that so lucky to you know yeah well i i mean i think it'll happen and i'm jealous of the dancers i wish that you had been my ballet master oh, i would have loved that so uh, sweet. <laughs> i i always think to when you showed up it was so funny you showed up in a beard and i did not <laughs> recognize you at all i was like who is that guy he is so good and then the minute you smiled at me i was like oh it's michael <laughs> and i was like where does that guy dance? Look at that facility. Look oh, at his technique and everything. It's you're incredible. I mean, Thanks. I I'm, I just think you are fantastic. So uh, I will be back in your class the second that studio opens. Uh, I'm thank, there. Thank you. I was there the last day. I'll be there the first day. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, well, thank you so so much. That was so fun to chat with you. And thanks for taking so much time for it with oh us. Oh my god, I, really I loved it. it. This was like a chat 
between friends. Yeah. Um, I hope I didn't like wear your tape out. No, there's no, no tape. It's great. It, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to do any VHS work. Like right, that. I know you don't have to flip it over. I put it on EP instead of SP. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We appreciate thank you. it. Thank you so much. Take care guys. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to support the Conversations on Dance podcast, there are a few ways that you can help. Click over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Download episodes when you listen to allow our analytics to better understand our listenership. Join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod, or you can offer a donation. Conversations on Dance has always been and will always be free to our listeners. You can help us continue to create and produce this unique behind-the-curtain look at the dance world by visiting conversationsondancepod.com support. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 